Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast would be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church Podcast. Today's episode is a bonus episode just for our church that we're calling Behind the Sermon. We've spent the last several weeks preaching and studying Luke chapter 15 together as a part of our Greatest Chapters in the Bible sermon series. So today, we wanted to bring you a conversation between myself and our lead pastor, Josh Powell, specifically about the last of the three parables in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Even though we've dedicated two sermons to this parable, we couldn't get everything we wanted to about the parable into the sermons. So today is a little bit of a deeper dive into this popular parable. We'll be back with a new episode of the podcast later this week, but until then, enjoy this bonus content. So Luke 15, obviously, uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you, you know kind of the setup for Luke 15. Uh, it's three, really consists of three parables that Jesus is telling. Uh, and so uh, three parables where something is lost, something is found, and there is rejoicing. And so, uh, Josh, as you kind of come to Luke 15, just initially, what kind of stands out to you about this chapter in the Bible? Well, of course, Luke 15 is is the home of the the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And so I would probably, I mean, I, if I'm, I just kind of thought through this as we were talking about it, uh, that may be the first story I remember in scripture mm. as a kid. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, and I vividly remember young in, in, in Sunday school, mission friends or whatever we, we did back in the day. And I remember the teacher talking about this guy who took his inheritance Lost it all, and he's eaten with the pigs. Right, and I, you know those kind of vivid images. I remember very young, just thinking about that, and really had a strong impact on me as a kid coming to faith. Of course, my dad was a pastor, and I came to faith early. And so, when I think of Luke fifteen, uh, prodigal son is what I think to, yeah. and and. Really, I, I would say one of the, probably the more influential stories in 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 my own young mind of conversion. It just spoke so clearly yeah, that yeah. that you get your own stuff, you try it your own way, you're going to end up with the pigs. Yeah, that that. But the Lord is always waiting there for you. And I I probably could think that that would be one of the more important parables in my own Christian life. Well, I think even just universally understood, I think when you think about the parables of Jesus, probably even for folks who maybe did not grow up in church are probably familiar with at least two or three of the parables of Jesus, right? The Good Samaritan probably being the the, the most popular of the parables, mm-hmm. but I don't think prodigal son is too far behind, yeah, right? Neither. This idea again of the younger son striking out for the far country uh, and then finding his father ready to welcome him home when he kind of comes to his senses. But Really, in order to understand the story of the prodigal son, right, we have to kind of understand two things. Uh, number one, that it's the it's the third of three parables that Jesus mm-hmm. tells, right? So there's a logical progression to the parables that Jesus tells, and then two, the audience that Jesus is telling the parable to, right? Because um, I guess hidden in the story or in the parable himself is Jesus really making an invitation to his audience uh, who have been invited to see themselves in this story, right? And that's and, and probably, and I, I don't want to jump to it too quick, but it's interesting in our own, you know, your own 
uh, as you study and try to try to learn the scriptures, you you kind of learn a passage and you you get that passage, you have it, and then somebody comes along and kind of reshapes how yeah. you think about that passage. Sure, and you're like, oh my goodness, I, and it, it's not as if they're adding something that's that's not there. It's just an insight to the text that you that you didn't see the first time, and maybe for a long time. But then when you see it, it just is like. It doesn't change the meaning of it. It mm-hmm. just deepens the meaning mm-hmm. of it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And that's probably, for me, that insight of this is actually written about the older brother. Or, right. or you know, this is actually, these, these these passages are actually written to the Pharisees. Right. Yeah. And, and, the ta- and not the tax collectors and sinners. And so those kind of insights just kind of start reshaping and even deepening the the text of what the Lord is trying to do um, in the passage. Right. And and I know that uh, you probably have the same same understanding of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think key to understanding the parables is understanding the, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, key to understanding the parables is understanding where it falls. Luke 15 falls within Luke's greater narrative, right? At this point, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, right? Luke breaks his, book down into three kind of sections, that first section of the birth narrative, and then Jesus's Galilean ministry. And then the final section of Luke's book is about, uh, happens in Luke nine, when it says he set his face towards Jerusalem, right? Jesus Mm -hmm. knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that his time is short. He really begins to teach uh, about what it means to be a faithful follower of his. Um, And so he, you know, in Luke 14, he turns to the crowd and he says, if you don't renounce everything that you have, you're not worthy to be my follower. That's the very famous, if you don't hate your father, mother, brother, sister, you're not worthy of me, right? And then here in Luke 15, he tells this, these three parables, uh, I think you're right, gathered around him are tax collectors and sinners, right? Those Mm -hmm. who uh, have fallen out of favor with the Pharisees and the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious, the upright, the moral, uh, the experts in the law and Although I think there is very much an invitation in each of these parables to the tax collectors and the sinners, right? That Jesus is inviting them. He's welcoming them in. Um, The primary audience for these parables are the Pharisees, Mm -hmm. right? Are those who, uh, for one reason or another, have not... are not celebrating that Jesus has come to welcome Mm -hmm. sinners into the kingdom of God, right? And and I think in the story of the prodigal son, kind of going to what is the meat, the heart of the Luke 15 passage, right? Jesus, you know, the prodigal son bats clean up, right? I mean, it's it's the one that's driving home the runners here. Uh, and then in the story of the prodigal son, I think historically much emphasis, a great amount of emphasis in evangelicalism and in preaching has been put on the story of the younger brother. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, the story of the older brother is equally as important to the story and probably a little bit more of where Jesus was trying to drive the point home to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think some of that goes with just the, you know, the prodigal son is, is a little bit misnamed, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You could, um, you know, it's both sons really are prodigal, right. The one of them though, is just very much more physically lost, right. He travels to the far country. But the older brother in the story is just equally as lost as the younger brother. He's just stayed home. Right. Right. Uh, and so I think you see that uh, in Luke 15 is that you can run from God in your unrighteousness like the younger brother, or you can run from God in your self-righteousness. And both brothers wind up in the same place, alienated from the father uh, and very much kind of enslaved to the way of life that they've chosen. Yeah. And and that's 
to me, Luke 15 is Jesus is, is you know, they're, they're the kingdom parables. Mm-hmm. He's creating his kingdom. And the Pharisees in their, uh, in their hypocrisy, in their self-righteousness, they're trying to protect their kingdom. And they don't want it to be polluted with these misfits and sinners and all these other things. And so, you know, uh, they don't want their what they have to protect. They don't want it spent. They don't want they want it to keep it. And so it really bothers them that here's this one coming to speak about the kingdom and he's inviting these people in to their pristine kingdom. And so what they perceive as pristine, Jesus is trying ultimately to say is you guys are sinners. You know what I'm saying? Um, You guys are the ones that need me as well. I'm celebrating the ones who come to me. If you come to me, we'll celebrate this also. Um, They just didn't believe they needed a savior. Right. Uh, They just wanted what he could give to them. Right. And so, Jesus is rejoicing when he finds the one sheep. He's going after him and rejoicing. He's rejoicing when he finds the coin. He's rejoicing when his son comes back home to him and celebrating. And he's like, I am rejoicing when people come to me. And when I uh, when I find them, they come to me. And we have this uh, kingdom being built mm-hmm. by people who, who, who uh, love me and are right. pursuing after me kind of thing. But you don't see this, you know, you see it as me polluting what you have here on earth. I see it as making something greater for heaven kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do think that um, the Pharisees missed the point of the parable. Right. And, and really Jesus is telling it in a way that they should have understood it. Uh, In N.T. Wright kind of reflecting on this and his commentary on Luke talks about how, um, the Pharisees should have seen this because they they should have seen in the story of the prodigal son the story of the Exodus, right? That God delivers His people, uh, gives them a land, right? But then they rebel against the Father and they're led into exile, right? And that the promise in exile was that God was ultimately going to going to bring them home, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so what Wright says, and I think I think it's an interesting thought, is he says that you know when Jesus talks about a wayward son and a wicked land whose father will welcome him home they should have seen the story of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that what, what Jesus is doing right in front of them, right, is he's, he's that promised redemption, right? He's welcoming in sinners. Mm-hmm. But yet, it doesn't look like what the Pharisees thought that it would look like or in their estimation what it should look like. And right. so because of their kind of self-righteousness, they can't see what God is doing right in front of their faces. Yeah, And I think that's a danger, right? And so as I look at this parable, And I'll ask you this too. I think as I kind of practically apply this parable to my own life, I think sometimes we create this dichotomy where we say you've got younger brothers and you've got older brothers in in the the church or in Christianity or or just in society. But, But really, like, even though we may lean one way or the other, I think the danger sometimes is we say don't be the younger brother who runs from God, but there is an equal amount of danger in being the older brother, right? I think I think for us, especially in our context, we live in the Bible Belt South. We live in cultural Christianity. So um, while this is not, I don't think this is going to stay the case for long, but most people understand salvation. And I think in in you know some of the the numbers would be that. It's like ninety percent of people think they're going to heaven. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. and and so, uh, you know, and that makes sense. Very few people are going to say, "Yeah, I'm going to hell," and I like yeah. it. Most people are going to think that they're okay, they're good enough. And I actually have this conversation. Um, I was 
just talking with a guy this this past week about it and his his not a you know not a believer but his point was i i think i'm good enough i've tried this best right. and so there is this sense in which the older brother stays home right so he thinks he's okay right he hasn't left but but he doesn't care about the father or right. the uh, all he cares about is the inheritance that the father can give him but at least he stayed close so he thinks proximity by staying close makes him okay and i think in our culture now that's the case with the danger with a lot of people. One, like the Pharisees, what what we have to constantly evaluate ourselves to say, what are we trying to protect here? Yeah, I mean, what you know, are we trying to fit Christianity into something that protects our way of life right yeah, now, which is a terrible danger for us? Like we we should be. Uh, it's like I've said many times. Jesus didn't come to take sides; he came to take charge. So, whose mm-hmm. side are we on? So, so our role as believers is not to exalt any kingdom of this earth, but the kingdom of God. So we're not trying to protect anything for us. We're trying to proclaim everything right. for him and 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 claim everything for him. So that's on that side of it. At the same time, oftentimes we think because we're doing certain things and we stay in quote unquote proximity to him yeah. that we're okay. And so there's a lot of people, and I know I, I probably shouldn't in this season be talking about inoculations and vaccines and everything else, but there's a lot of people that we say are inoculated to the gospel. They think because they have spent time in church, maybe made some decision at some point, maybe uh, they they you know attend once to once or twice or a member of a local church they're doing these things that are religious they think they're okay because they have done those things right. and they have inoculated themselves in other words they got just enough to think they don't really need anything else um they don't need radically changing or saving and i think that's the danger with the older brother that we see in our society which that's that's why when that when that kind of insight came to me through reading and everything. It was, it even deepened the past. You say, oh my goodness, man, there's so many people I know that are like the older brother. They're looking to God and saying, what can I get out? I mean, what does that give me? And, and, and how, what do I get out of this? And not looking to him as, you know, uh, really like the younger brother, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the passage in it where the younger brother comes back and says, I'm going to go back to my father and just ask him to let me be a servant in his house. Right. You know, there's a sense in which he goes, I'm desperate for him enough. To, I'm just, I, just let me be a servant. There's a humility that comes from him going and recklessly losing and wasting his life coming back. I just want to be a servant. Yeah. The older son's like, no, I'm I'm here. This right. is this belongs to me. This right. is I've mine. This. Yeah. I deserve this. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I think um looking at it, right, both both brothers, they're not they they're can be pitted as polar opposites, but they're actually very similar, right? They're both pursuing fulfillment. They're both desiring the father's things apart from the father. They just go about it in different ways, right? The younger son tries to find fulfillment through personal freedom, right? Lack of constraint. If I can just get out of the father's house, under, out from under his rules, be my own man, do my own thing, right? But what he finds out is that actually doesn't lead to freedom. And the younger and the older brother, I think, equally as much says, if I can just do the right thing, if I just obey the rules, if I just do the X, Y, and Z, then my father owes this to me, right? right. And so that's why he's so angry at the end when the younger brother comes home, because he's just, in a sense, the father, he's, he's looking at the father and going, well, what's the point of my obedience if 
you're going to welcome home my brother who has wasted all of his all of your money and has you know made a fool of himself and made a fool of our family then why have i stayed here and been obedient what was the point of that if you're going to reward him right and i think that's the the tension of the gospel right is that the older brother feels like he's earned it he feels like he's deserved it he feels like he's done the things necessary to be saved and yet when the father welcomes home the younger brother he looks at it and goes what was the point of my doing this right, right. and it makes him angry and i think that you know in cultural christianity uh, you can look at it the same way and say what was the point of my church attendance of not going to see this movie of not saying these things of not drinking of not doing all this stuff if it was not to earn my salvation right uh, and I think that is a real danger, specifically probably more so within the church, right? That within the church, there is a greater danger probably that we are the older brother in the story than we are the, the wayward son who's wandered off. That's um, right. But you can be just as lost, right? The, the, the older Absolutely. son is just as lost in the father's pasture as the younger son was in the far country. That's right. And that's the, that's the thing for me is there's got to be a shift in our heart, um, to see that that what what we desire is not the stuff God gives us. Right. We desire a relationship with God. Yes. And right. and this passage is all about relationship. Um the the neither neither one has a relationship with with the father really other than what the father can give them. Sure. The son the younger one wants it now, the older one's waiting his turn so he's staying close. But when the the younger son comes back, you see that relationship. You see mm-hmm. The father sees him from far off, and then something that we might miss because a first-century wealthy male would never run outside in public, you know. Right. So, yeah. so the father is running toward him. This is this will be something that would show kind of his shame, but he has no shame now because his son is coming home. Right. He runs toward him, and now you see that relationship is is built there, and and that's what the father cares about mm-hmm. is the relationship. And he says to the older brother, "Why? Why we should be glad your son is home? You know, I mean, uh, your brother is home, and he was dead, and now he's alive. He was right. lost, and now he's found, and we rejoice. And so uh, we're always. We, I think we're so more, much more concerned about what God can give us. Right. So even to your point, and this may be an example. That idea for uh, I, I remember my first church I was pastoring at my first hospital visit. So I'm. You know, uh, while I'd had examples in the ministry, I'm still kind of learning on the fly. And this older lady who had been in our church, been in that church for like 60-something years, her entire life, and I uh, went to visit her in the hospital, and she was sick. And her first response to me just kind of floored me. She was like, Josh, I don't know what I've done to God to deserve this. Mm, yeah. Um. He, you know, he, I, I felt like I've been good and I've been in church and I've lived a good life and now here I am dealing with this. I just don't yeah. know what I've done. Yeah. And I was just like, what pastor has failed you before? Right. Yeah. Um, because it was a case in point of the older brother mentality. Right. It's like I've stayed close. I've sure. done everything. And now I'm suffering through some sickness and illness. Right. And so God owes me right. this and I feel like there's so many people in, in churches that kind of have that older brother mentality. I'm doing these things. God right. owes me this. It, and he owes this to me now because right. I've been faithful to him before. And, and, and they don't realize that what God is giving you is far greater, you know, than just uh, everyday comforts, sure. just uh, worldly possessions. 
it's even greater than just, you know, uh, good health. Mm-hmm. He's giving you a life that is, uh, uh, you know, I'm reminded of that Ephesians 2 passage. You were dead in your trespasses. He's made you alive together in Christ. And then he says in verse 7, I think, so that he can bestow the riches of heaven upon you. Right. And so um, God has pursued us, come after us, changed us, saved us, ran after us. Um, and when we were just knowing that all we deserved to be were servants in his house, right. killed the fatted calf, threw the party, everything celebrating us, not so we could have just a, the perfect life and everything be perfect and we've earned it. He's done this because he loves us and he cares about us. Yeah. And uh, we have that relationship with him. So what matters most is not the stuff he can give us, but him. Yeah, know? yeah. And I think that's the point. Well, uh, I think ultimately. The, the older brother, right, he weaponizes his morality, right? He uses his morality as his means to make demands on the father, right? To right. say, I've done this, so give me this because I've deserved it, right? And, and I, I don't know that any of us necessarily would, would think that, but oftentimes we do think that in our obedience, we would somehow put God into our debt. And I think it does expose a deeper theological issue, a deeper heart issue, right? Um, that maybe for a while in our churches, we've seen God as a means to an end and not an end in of himself. And I think that's what you're driving mm-hmm. at, right? Yeah. Is that God... Uh, John Piper's tremendous book, God is the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? The point of the gospel is not that we would get God's things, right? Not that we would get a a, a good life or eternal life, but the point is that we get God, right? That he Mm -hmm. is not a means to an end. Mm -hmm. He is an end and of himself. And that's what we see here in the story of the prodigal sons, the the lost sons, is that the goal of this was the relationship with the father, was to be in the father's house, was not to gain the father's things. Um, And I think we see that in both the the older and, and younger son. Keller helped uh, me a lot on seeing a lot of this. Both the older son and the younger son, uh, even though they didn't, you know, want the relationship with the father, when they were close to the father, they were blessed. Mm. I mean, they had what they needed. You know, he they didn't go without. They had everything they needed, but still, that you know wasn't good enough. You know what mm. I'm saying? And and that that idea with with Keller is is it was that relationship. It wasn't just the blessing of the Father. It's the relationship with the Father mm-hmm. where you realize it's because of the Father that I have all of these things. Um, all of that stuff is 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 good. So I highly recommend Keller. I, I, you, you really can't read Keller and read the prodigal uh, son the same way, the same way yeah, again. It's tremendous. And, and it's, it's a tremendous book. And it also helps us, I think, because what, what, he, what he also does is he really uh, just – does a great display of how every passage in Scripture is really about Jesus Christ and what the Lord God Almighty has done for us through His Son Jesus right, Christ, right. and that's even a better display for us on how to handle a text yeah. and what what He does. Um, and and I just I think that's so important when we read Scripture to understand how Jesus, you know, Jesus is everything. Because when we read a pass, uh, we read a passage like the Prodigal Son, we're going to identify. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And 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 so. Uh, as we need to sometimes be guided in that identification because I think that's right. I think we should, like I said, even myself, I identified with that one, but we also, you know, need to recognize that this is ultimately about Christ, not about me. Right. And so how, how does, how does this, or what does this teach me about Jesus? 
Yeah, man, I think I think that's so important to interpreting this passage, but really any passage, right? That the main character of this story isn't either of the brothers. The right. main character of the story is the father, right? right? And right. Jesus establishes that earlier. There was a man who had two sons, right? right? The man is the central character, right? The man represents the father. And I think what you see in this, reading this through kind of a Christocentric lens of seeing Jesus in the parable Right, is that you see both of these brothers, both of these sons, and neither of them is a faithful or true son. Mm-hmm. And so what would it what would the parable look like if we had a, a faithful son, right, in, in either of these roles? And I think one of the things that Nguyen talks about in the return of the prodigal is he says that Jesus shows us what true sonship is. That's right. Yeah. He's the younger son who never rebelled and the older son who was never resentful. Right. Right. And so in Jesus, we have this younger son who leaves the father's house. And goes to the far country, not out of disobedience to the father, but in order to do the father's will, right? And he takes the inheritance that he has, not to squander it, but to invite his right wayward brothers to share in that with him. And right. so in Jesus, we see the true younger brother. And, and then in the older brother, right? What, what would it have been like if the older brother had gone after his younger brother, mm-hmm. right? What would it have been like if we had an older brother who loved his father and loved his brother enough Right to pursue his brother to the far country and bring him home, even at great expense to himself. Right, mm-hmm. and so we see that in Jesus again. The true older brother in the story uh, is that when we wandered from God in a far country, right, our older brother came and he searched for us and he brought us back into the house of the Father at great expense to himself. And so when we Amen. begin yeah. to see Jesus, right, the Father is the main character and Jesus as the means of our redemption in this story we really begin to understand what the point of it is and how we can practically apply that in our lives. Yeah, amen. I appreciate you as well, David, leading us through this passage. It's uh, worked out great as you preach us through Luke 15, and I'm really thankful, really thankful to serve here in a way where we can, you know, just just hear from one another preaching the Word and and holding it up faithfully and uh, exalting Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the ultimate point of, of the the preaching of God's word. Yeah. Well, thankful for your leadership, buddy. And thanks for having this conversation with us today. Absolutely. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church and to all of our listeners. Remember this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Murray Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.